Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Innermost is supported by Vodafone. Whether it's friends, family, or in our case, complete strangers, keeping connected has never been so important. Which is where Vodafone's unlimited data plans come in. To find out more, Head over to vodafone.co.uk. Welcome back to Innermost, a podcast about strangers and their secret lives. I'm Leia Green, and this is episode four. And, you know, I came home that day and I told my husband, this may seem like nothing to most people because everyone learns this. It feels just like the most monumental, you know, thing. Even if I've, you know, gone to prep school or gone to college or am now in graduate school, am I, am I safe? Absolutely not. This week, a woman revisits an embarrassing moment from her childhood that she's only just shaking off. And a man tells me how an awkward misstep by a classmate brought his race and hers into sharp focus. That's after this short break. Imagine how hard lockdown would have been without tech. Video calls kept you connected... Online grocery deliveries kept you fed, and your smartphone kept you sane, even if that did largely involve sharing cat gifts with friends. But not everyone has a digital device during lockdown. According to Bernardo's, 300,000 young people and children are affected by digital poverty, harming their ability to keep connected or get the right educational resources. You can help by donating unwanted smartphones or tablets to Vodafone's Great British Tech Appeal to support Bernardo's, British Red Cross, and Safe Lives. And it won't cost you a penny. Your device will be data wiped and packaged with three months of free unlimited connectivity. So not only can young people access crucial online resources for surviving lockdown, they too can share cat gifts. To donate, visit vodafone.co.uk slash techappeal. Hello. Oh, hi, is that Hima? Yeah, it's Hima. Hi, how are you? I'm good. This is Leia from The Guardian. How are you doing? Good. Very excited. <laughs> My name is Hima Bodegala. 
I am 36. I now live in Amsterdam, Netherlands, but I'm originally from the U.S. and then before that, India. <laughs> For whatever reason, I didn't really get on a bicycle to properly learn till I was about um, 10. Um, and at the time, we were living in Hyderabad in India. And over the summer, whenever my brother was out playing cricket or something, I'd take his bike and I'd practice. But one day as I got more comfortable, I decided to go downhill. And because I was comfortable, I wasn't using the brakes as much either. I was feeling pretty good about it. And I was like, yeah, I look, I look cool now. I look like one of the kids who, can, who does this all the time. And as I was on that high, I hit this bump or a rock or something and completely lost balance. And the bike just kept going got onto the wider street, which was sort of a T-junction. Um, and at the end of that T-junction was this flagpole, hit the flagpole, fell over to my side and just about sat up. And I looked up and of course, my brother, all of his friends who were playing cricket were, um, <laughs> were in the vicinity. So of course they stopped playing, looked over at me and were laughing and there were a few kids who looked over to my brother and said, isn't that your sister? <laughs> I just remember the look on my brother's face. He, you know, I think he was pretty embarrassed, maybe for me, but maybe for himself as well. And he started walking over to me, but I was just so mortified that I just quickly got up on the bike and I was kind of bruised up and scratches on my knees and hands and just walked up the hill back to the house. and just went home. <laughs> Being kind of then a teenager and then a young adult and then an adult who couldn't ride a bike, it, like how how much impact did that actually have on you? Like when did it come to the surface? Yeah, um, I think I was able to avoid, you know, having to be on a bicycle pretty easily I was driving by then and so I just you know I'd say oh I'll grab my car I'll meet you there <laughs> you know what's really interesting is like at no point do you just say to your friends oh I don't know how to ride a bike <laughs> like why did why <laughs> I don't know I mean you just feel embarrassed you feel like you're not up to par in some way as an adult <laughs> Hello. Hi, Bernard. It's Leia. Hi, hi, Leia. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for calling. My name is Bernard. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I am a graduate MFA student in creative writing. I think I was in on the couch in my apartment, and I had saw a video on my Facebook feed, or maybe in one, an Instagram story, and I was appalled. I mean, I was appalled that I was afraid. It was the week after George Floyd had died. It was so, uh, a, a couple of days after I had gone to my first protest, early in June, and I got a notification on my phone and a friend had sent me $30, $30 for lunch. 
also she i messaged me saying that the news is really difficult to watch right now and here's some money so you don't have to worry about cooking and the news effectively what did you first think when you saw that i mean i thought that this is a crazy moment i maybe i i, I even laughed because i was so shocked i was like this is crazy this is a smart person who is very compassionate and like you for lack of a better word woke so i i wouldn't expect her to make an error like this but of course she's a white American woman. And I understand that my classmate probably felt guilty and that her guilt is probably in the right place. So, and that's frustrating and insulting. And it seems to be more motivated or more targeted at absolving or comforting whatever guilt she may feel. But $30 personalizes what's happening in this country when frankly, it's really not a personal matter. police brutality, what happened to George Floyd. This is a this is a matter of a country that still hasn't reconciled with its history. One thing about isolation is it offers you a great opportunity for self-reflection, which is something we don't have a whole lot of time for in the modern day. Um, and I knew it was going to be a challenge, but kind of one thing, I remember um, years ago, I went in a, a Krav Maga boot camp in London and it was it was very rewarding, but it was grueling. And I remember at one point in the middle of the week, one of the instructors said, I'm going to make you suffer because when you're suffering, you're learning. So that's something that's always stuck to me. So whenever kind of I face a situation that I know is going to be challenged, I think, right, okay, how can I learn here? What am I going to learn? We actually met like online and uh, because he sta- he used to- he lives in the states so he he had come to india in october last year so we just met once finally we got married in march because we really didn't have a choice i mean he couldn't come again or something so but uh, but it, i mean thankfully it has worked out fine because uh, this lockdown gave us a lot of time to get to know each other my name is saskia i'm 47 years old and I live in the Black Forest in southwestern Germany. I get unhappy and I feel out of sorts when I don't create stuff. I do a lot of sewing, mostly clothes for my children. I also paint rocks um, with messages that I like to hide in places for people to find. How did you decide to properly learn how to ride a bike? And what was that process like? <laughs> when we moved to Amsterdam, um, we decided not to get a car because we were, you know, in we're living in, in sort of the center of the city and don't, you know, one, there's no parking, two, you can get around everywhere um, with either public transport or... <laughs> the major mode of transportation here which is to be on your bicycle so you know ended up googling for an instructor and found this one um, Australian instructor actually who's been living here for a few years giving um, lessons to adults as well as you know anybody anyway after the first lesson um, it really felt like some long lost miracle Um, I was 
balancing myself on a bicycle again. It feels just like the most monumental, you know, thing. And, you know, I came home that day and I told my husband, this may seem like nothing to most people because everyone learns this, but for an adult, your level of appreciation just changes. And it's just, it was, it was just a really big deal to me. And I remember saying all of these things to my instructor and, and I think he got it, but I think he was also like, it's not that big oh, of a no. deal. <laughs> I can so imagine doing that where you're like, honestly, I never thought this would happen. And they're just like, I'm just doing my job, man. I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't think my body could do this, but yes. Anyway, so then um, we got into the center of the city. I was feeling pretty good about myself because, you know, being on a bicycle path was the ultimate goal. And by this point, I was about five lessons in maybe. It was good. It was going well. And then all of a sudden, my, like the right side of my neck was itching. Like something was biting me maybe. And I was, you know, I, I just could just scratch my neck. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to come off the cycle path the front wheel stayed straight and I just toppled over and fell off the bicycle. Even though it was lockdown times and even though there weren't a lot of people, there were enough people to, to you know, come over to me because I was just, it was embarrassing all over again. It was my 10-year-old self all over again. We you all like <laughs> tangled up in a really ungraceful yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my my blouse was sort of over the handlebar oh. and the handlebar was like into my right rib. Oh, no. And it was just so I was mortified. I mean, it was and of course it was um like corona times. So, you know, when I fell, people wanted to come, people did come over to try and help me up, but like I was you know, I I didn't want them touching me and they didn't want to really touch me because, you know, some people had gloves on, no masks on. So, you know, it was like this dance of us, of people trying to be nice and help me out. But did you feel this time, like, were you able to get over it in a way that maybe you weren't when you were 10? Yeah. Um, it, and it's so weird for for the, of course, the first, you know, 20 seconds, I, I just went, oh, my God, not again. And then, like, a minute later, it's, I think something was different this time. You know, I was able to just laugh about it. And and I think that's the difference. As an adult, as you get older, you do, in, in certain things, you just get better at, at, at looking at yourself and just laughing at yourself. How how friendly are you with this woman? How well do you know each other? I mean, we I'm in a small graduate program, so it's like a creative writing workshop. I, I, I wouldn't text this person once a month to see how they're doing, um, but it wouldn't be weird if this person texted me and asked me how I was doing. I would consider ourselves to be friendly, but we're not friends. What did you do in response to this? Uh, the, my immediate response is I, I sent the money back to her. Did you say anything when you sent it back? I recognized that I wasn't at a place to calmly articulate what was wrong about what she did. And I frankly wasn't at a place where I understood why I was so affected by what she did. I said, I said, hi, her name. I'm okay. I'm okay. Thank you for reaching out. I'm going to send your request back. I appreciate the thought. I have everything I need. Thank you. All the best. 
do you struggle for money? Like, is it is there a way? Is there a world in which she thought that you would need thirty dollars? I don't think so. So to answer your question, no, I have everything that I need. Yeah, no, I've never expressed to her that I had been wanting for something or that I was in need of something. And the implication in her gesture is that by virtue of who you are, you're in need, right? Exactly. I mean, I don't think that she said that money to everyone in the program. I am the only African-American in the program. And I suspect that I was the only one who received $30 from the student because I'm Black. I'm interested that you said you didn't want to get into a conversation with her about why you felt that this was inappropriate. And it's something I think I felt too in the last few weeks talking with my white friends. And it takes a lot of energy, right? It it is sort of cumbersome to be this advisor on kind of white behavior in response to racial turmoil. But I mean, I have lots of friends, white friends. And I sort of fear when people reach out and asking me for advice on how they should respond to what's happening. I I feel as though they're putting the burden on the entire black community on me. And that's also cumbersome because I really resist this notion that there can be such a thing as a monolithic black experience. It's like this weird kind of backward or backslapping, backhanded, like white man's burden type response. There's a comment to be made on the fact that there is literature out there for, you know, come correct white liberals who want to respond appropriately to what's happening, right? But nowhere does it say to Venmo a classmate $30 for lunch. Do I think differently about my classmate because she erred? And is my response to her error truly appropriate? There's, there's really nothing really wrong with someone making a mistake and then redoubling their effort with new information. And I think that requires a little bit of tolerance and patience and forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? Because uh, I would hate for this mistake that my classmate made to prevent her from, from supporting this cause in the future. Hello, I am Rodrigo Cortez. I'm 28 years old and I'm Brazilian. You know, the real reason I, I felt like writing it to you, it was just like a symbol for me about this, uh, how important it is to, to give ourselves a time to allow silence to come in because many times we have so many decisions to make in this routine, in this vortex, and we see life just pushing us in all directions, and we don't even know what we want. I know a couple of friends who got married, like you figure out so many things after maybe a year of marriage. Because you know, you work, both of you have your working lives and you're busy. But for us, what happened was these two and a half months, we just had each other for company. So a lot of things which came up, maybe you could have actually come up after a year or something. So probably this is good for us because uh, it was like completely, the world is cut off. So we only have each other. And we have to deal with it. 
I have to admit, I didn't know whether I was going to say this, but I also can't ride a bike. Oh. <laughs> Which is why <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I totally oh, get it. Feel like this yeah. camaraderie, <laughs> and you're just like, oh man, everyone can do this. <laughs> yeah and that's what it feels like until you meet those people who who for whatever reason they lived in a I don't know some area they couldn't or didn't and how how about you why why Uh, I think I'm just lazy I definitely (laughs) learned I learned how to ride a bike but I grew up in Sheffield which is really hilly and that's my excuse (laughs) but um yeah no I I forgot how to ride a bike which is supposedly impossible but it is not impossible it turns out Um, (laughs) but but I'm yeah yeah it's I know it's a weird thing and it's like a secret club when you meet someone else you're like me too I hope you'll use my story to try and get yourself on a bike (laughs) (laughs) I will update you if I do oh that'd be great let you know good luck all right (laughs) Bye. bye thanks thank you for listening to innermost And thank you so much for people who have left a rating or a review. It really, really helps people to find us. And I've loved reading your emails. If anyone has a story that they'd like to be included in the podcast, we are still listening. So please email me at innermost at theguardian.com. This episode was produced by me, Leia Green, and Esther Apoku-Jenny. The music and sound design is by Pascal Wise, and the executive producer is Max Sanderson. See you next time. Don't take this the wrong way, but your smartphone is cleverer than you. The clue is in its name. Well, that and a new project to fight COVID-19 that uses the almighty processing power that goes untapped at night. And they're not talking about your brain. Working with Imperial College London, the Vodafone Foundation's Dream Lab app utilises people's mobiles while they sleep to create a virtual supercomputer. If they can get 100,000 people to fire up the app nightly for three months, they can analyse potential COVID-19 treatments that would take Imperial supercomputers a year. The more people who take part, the quicker it will be to do the vital research to help fight COVID-19. So show your smartphone who's the real brains of the operation. Turn it into part of the Dream Team, because that's the cleverest decision anyone can make. To download the app, search for Dream Lab in your phone's app store. Legal terms apply. See vodafone.co.uk slash dreamlab. The Vodafone Foundation is a registered charity.